What is up, everybody? Welcome to the last episode of season one for the Panthers Nation podcast. We got to cut it off at some time, y'all. We can't just keep going and going and going. We're going to try to coincide with the way the offseason goes. You know, we started at a weird time, so we went kind of into a little bit of offseason. But we figured, you know, the draft's about, you know, coming up here in a month or so. It'll give us a little bit of time. Of course, the minute we take a break, something's going to work. Something's going to happen and break, you know, for the Panthers. And we'll obviously come back on and give you all our thoughts about that. But we do need a breather, too. I know, contrary to popular belief, we don't, we can't talk all day, every day. We do need to take a break. But uh, y'all, we, we're into this, you know, beginning of the tampering period. You know, it's always weird to see how the waters are tested. What have y'all, what has your thoughts been at least for the day? The Patriots, what the heck? Well, for Carolina. <laughs> yeah, it could be for anybody. Hey, bit hey, bi- heard all them rubbers, man. He heard, he, he, he heard what y'all was saying. He heard everything y'all said. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is surprising to see the Patriots spend that much money this early in free agency. That's like, I mean, I know we say we're a bargain bin team. Now they are the epitome of like bargain bin. We're going to grab every, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm interested to see what they do over there in New England. Yeah, you know, with some of these early signings, we're seeing in a weird year where the salary cap's down a lot more than we thought it would be. Um, you know, there's some really good affordable deals. Like one that sticks out to me is the John Johnson deal with the Browns. That one uh, was a highlight to me. And then there's some some veteran guys being overpaid that, you know, kind of confused me. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into the Panthers signing so far. But um, this is kind of a, you know, tricky free agency in, to navigate as there's, uh, you know, the range of how much guys are getting paid is all over the place. Well, and, and we'll get the chance now to see what Cam Newton's really – what he's got left. I mean, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. People have said, hey, you know, he didn't have anybody to throw to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now you got year two, and now you got, you know, Nelson Aguilar coming in. You got John New Smith coming in. I mean, he's, he's got some weapons. It, 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 everything is do or die. I've talked about it before. Like, this, is, this is his last shot. This is it. Yeah. This, if, this, if it doesn't happen this year, I mean, you kind of got to call it a day at that point. Yep. Which, and like you saw it, I mean, it's depending upon which Nelson Aguilar Cam's going to get because the Nelson Aguilar on the Raiders of this past, you know, he wasn't doing that bad of a job. Actually, he was making a splash and an impact. But if he gets, you know, if Cam gets cursed with another receiver that can't catch a pass to save his life, like Aguilar, you know, the meme of Aguilar, then that'll be different. But I mean, he's getting one of the top, you know, one of the up and coming tight ends in the NFL right now. I mean, he led, what, eight? touchdowns yesterday or last year excuse me and i think led the, i think that was the league leading for tight ends if i'm not entirely mistaken and that's I mean you know with the titans offense that was pretty run heavy and also featured guys like aj brown who you know were getting the ball a lot more than you would think johnny smith would but i mean cam's always had great relationships with tight ends and so i'm really excited for that matchup and also you know you get trent brown you lose you lose Joe Thune, that's kind of a, you know, up in the air there as to how that, the impact there, but he's going to have some sort of help there. So it'll be interesting to see what Cam and the Patriots do. Yeah, you talk about it, I think Bill saw, you know, it's for the, they've always been able to be a bargain player because I think Brady can make pretty much any player for the most part work for him. So you can, mm-hmm. you can chop the bar, bargain in when you can. Nothing against Cam, but like Cam is more, like Brady was more complimentary where he, his talent would compliment everybody else. Like Cam's was kind of supplementary where like it's, just got to be him, so you got to provide other kind of talent around yeah. him to work with him. Yeah, you know, he's past that, he's past that age now. Like, in, like prime game when you can run, when you can run the ball with him like 10 15 times, and yeah, we don't have to sign wide receivers, we can run the ball, yeah. But now he's, he's getting to that point where, like, yeah, I need a look, I need you got, you got, you got, you got, you got supplement some of what he's. 
And Tyler, I think you talked about it. You know, some of these veteran deals have been get, uh, a little weird. You know, they've been getting a little bit overpaid. And I think, honestly, the pandemic had a good amount to do with that because it was a season where there was a lot of up, stuff up in the air and a lot of inconsistency with players, with health, with COVID. So I feel like teams feel like they need that security blanket of knowing that these guys are going to come in and, you know, be able to be um, to be successful consistently. And um, I think that might be something that might be factoring into why these guys are getting higher deals. I don't know if, if you if you think something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like along those lines, and also like the Texans are like the biggest you know poster child of this so far. They've signed a lot of these guys for bigger deals, but a lot of these guys they've signed like we saw the Texans resign. Uh, they brought in linebacker uh, from the Dolphins. Uh, great special teamer. Uh, Jalen Mills went to the Patriots. That was a big deal that stood out to me. Nine million a year for him. He's also a great special teams player, though. So, you know, in a year like this where, you know, the salary cap's low, if you can round out all three units of the team, um, you're, so, some teams are willing to pay up for special teams guys around this point. So um, that's another wrinkle that we're seeing to free agency. And combine that with, you know, some of these bigger, bigger name guys who we thought maybe they'd be getting like one or two year deals, but you know, we saw multi-year deals with, you know, John U. Smith. That was a that was a huge deal, a lot of money in that. And I know Jeff probably can talk about that. I was, I was, you know, I, he, you know, he's good, but I mean, like, I'm a that was a little high end. I, I think, I mean, there's no way the Titans would have paid him that much. Not with uh, Anthony Fersker, who really is a solid tight end, um, and 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 Michael Pruitt, um, you know. But to to to, I, what I'm hoping they're doing is they let him walk. Um, because they're making room for Corey Davis. Um, but, I mean, if, if anybody was going to make a splash for John Newman, like I said, like Jack said, you know, he he was up there and uh, up-and-comer and young guy. So, I mean, yeah, I don't like it. But I, I think that I think New England paid a lot for him. So, uh, they, they but, hey, it's Bill Belichick. And uh, we'll see what he, you know, uh, he, the man knows what he's doing. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, do you think he went there mainly because of Cam? Like seeing what Cam did with Greg Olsen for the majority of his career. Like, like, like this guy is a guy that really helps elevate tight ends. If if I'm good enough working with Cam, I know like Cam's a guy that like, he favors tight ends more than like, you know, some of his better receivers. Cam there may have played a part of him coming there for at least a season. I, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think obviously so. I think he goes, hey, with Cam Newton and 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 um, you know, I think John who um, I read something uh, that they put on Twitter where uh, an insider said that, uh, you know, he loved Bill Belichick. He wanted, you know, hey, go play for the Patriots. Um, and then all of a sudden it's that realm of, um, um, you know, the thing that gets me, though, is John is not a very good blocker. So, um, you know, he, he, he even outside sometimes. Um, and I think the Titans realize they've got, I mean, Anthony Fersker, I know that's a name not anybody really knows about, um, but – Watch out for him. I think they felt solid with him. You know, um, I think they almost came first. Girl. I think first girl almost became the Greg Olson for for him, to be honest, for Tannehill. Uh, there were a lot of times where you, they were calling first. Girl. I'm like, where's Johnny at? So, you know. I mean, you think about a guy like with, like, with talent like that. Like, you know, I look at, I look at like, in our case, Ian Thomas. Like, he has talent, probably more talent than probably some of the guys we've had previous. I think he's like probably – I want, he was he was more talented than Greg by the by the end of Greg's career, but it doesn't matter. Like with tight end, it, it's like who who am I comfortable to get comfortable with you? Like look at guy like an element, like like receiver options like that. Like if I'm if I'm comfortable enough to work with you and we're and we're on the same page, the athleticism and stuff kind of goes out the window. I even look at like in uh, for uh, Cleveland, he's kind of like kind of struggled some. He's got all the he's got all the physicals that really flourish there because he hasn't gotten that. He hasn't gotten that relationship with his quarterback. Right. 
And then I definitely think, you know, it's something where you're seeing, especially the Panthers. I mean, we talked about, like, they came out. It was a pretty depressing article right before, you know, this started where they're like, we're going to, we're not going to make huge moves right out the gate in free agency. It's not something as a Panthers fan you really wanted to read. And they've shown that. I mean, they made, so they do this kind of every year and it's kind of just scraping, you know, these guys. And you look at it and you're like, wait, who is this? Like, I've never, I've never even heard of you. And. So you would think, you know, after a while, it's like, well, they must have something we don't. But after a while, it's just be like, okay, what are you looking at? So you got Pat, Pat El, Elfine, Alphine, either or, Elf, I don't know. Elflin, I get, I'm going to go with Elflin. Oh, El, oh, there's an L there. I didn't see the extra L. Yeah, yeah, it's an L. Yeah. <laughs> I did not even see that there. And then, and then, and then Cam Irving. And so two offensive linemen, you know, trying to shore up the depth there. Maybe saw a little bit in the Super Bowl, you know, how much depth is needed. Shantice, what were you thinking about some of those moves? With Cam Irving, it was I got I got I kind of tell what this move was. This is, this is a guy that's kind of at the end of his rope. 2015 down to be that great of a player yet. Then last year graded out at a 44.8 of our pro football focus, which I don't really care for PFL, but it did have him grading damn near second to last among eligible offensive tackles. So he's a guy that's kind of on a prove it is a proof of stage of his career. How to stick in this league. Carolina's done this before where we've gotten guys at the end of their rope that were kind of again bargain bin guys that could possibly provide us some value if they had if they were in the right system. He would, he kind of falls into that same category. Pat Elflin, he kind of I, I mean okay with him, you know John Miller, I don't think John Miller back. They like Dennis Daly, but I think they still feel like they can probably find a better a, a better value guy out there right now. I think Pat Elfman is supposed to be just that. Help help provide some more depth to that position alongside Daly. Uh, and Irving is a guy that, I mean, for I'm looking at Greg Little. Too, I mean, at this point, it's been two years. You haven't been healthy either one. You, you were supposed to probably... They were supposed to develop him last year, I, I, I believe, under Russell Okung. And even Okung was even out, and he didn't really. And Little was out as well. So it's like, at this point, we got to find somebody that can release. Irving is a guy in his role. Elfman is a guy that helps, help, helps provide you some depth. depth. And it's kind of high out of wait to see what the plan is. Like, like you know, I mean, maybe these are good signings in September. Uh, like, right now, it doesn't look great, but it may be one of those kind of things where it may be high value. And yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm never going to shore up depth of the offensive line position. I'm always asking for the offensive line position, and I'm never going to shy away from that. It's just sometimes, like, they're making all these cap moves, you know, and so earlier today, like, release Zach Kerr. And you, so you make this cap move, you say you're going to save this space, you restructure these contracts. What are you doing it for? It kind of seems like, not a washout at some point, but, like, it's, if you're going to... Because you, cause you only freed up $1.2 million with that move. So it's like, what are you, like you said, what are you going to do with it? And why doing it? Why do what you're doing with it too? Also, I, that's where I'm kind of concerned a little bit. I mean, because there's still some guys that they have. <laughs> you look at some of the other restricted, unrestricted free agents, and to figure out what we're going to do with them: Alex Arma, Farrah Cooper, Mike Davis, Russell Douglas, Cornelder, Tyler Lawson, Chris Manhurts, John Miller, Russell Okun, Chris Reed, Curtis Samuel, <laughs> Michael Schofield, Julian Stanford, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor's, and the here Whitehead, and the only restricted one is F.A. Obata. So Man. there's a lot of moves that you got to re- restructure there. And and I'm just interested to see what Scott Fitterer is going to do. Tyler, what do you kind of what's your outlook on him in terms of some of the you know what we've gotten from him so far? Yeah, I mean it, it was a lot of buildup with him that we were going to be aggressive and make all these moves, and then we get the report that 
Yeah, and Carolina might be more quiet in the first couple of days. And, you know, looking at these two offensive line signings, you know, Pat Elfline, I think he'll fill in a starting left guard and, you know, he can man that spot for a year. But it's interesting with him because he actually got cut by the Vikings in the middle of last season. Then he was picked up by the Jets and played next to Mekhi Becton, which that was going to make him look pretty good. And he had a good season finishing with the Jets. And, you know, we're paying about $4.5 million a year, which isn't too bad uh, to fill in at that left guard spot. So now looking at our offensive line, we got Pat Elfline at the left guard, Matt Paradis at center, and then we tackle. The right guard and left tackle spots are still kind of wide open, like we said. Uh, with that Greg Little pick was a Marty Herney pick, and he really hasn't done anything, so I'm I'm not counting on him to be a starter. Uh, we got Dennis Daly, who I'm, you know, I would prefer him to be that, you know, sixth offense lineman that is versatile and can play a lot of positions which kind of makes me confused about the Cam Irving signing because he's a guy who can play every position. That's what he's, you know, prided upon. But we kind of already have that with Daly. So that was kind of a confusing signing with me. I like the Alfine one, but not really the uh, the Irving one. So from here, you know, I think we got to address one of the offensive line positions in free agency before the draft. You don't want to go into the draft with, you know, two complete holes on the offensive line. Because if the season started today, we, uh, I don't know what we would do. We roll with Greg out there. <laughs> Um, but you know, <laughs> that might be the uh, Panthers' new motto. If the season started today, I don't know what we do. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the thing—you got to have players. We have cap space right now, but like you're talking about cutting Zach Kerr, like we just have nobody in the room. It's like that one uh, that meme on Twitter with the guy and point in the room by himself. That's kind of how it is. Too. Yeah. With Will Smith as the guy, yeah, yeah, fresh right. the Bel Air, Tony <laughs> Age is there a little bit there, Tyler. Tony Age a little bit there, but yeah, you know, <laughs> looking, at, looking at defense, um, <laughs> um, you know, addressing the interior defensive line. I think you know maybe not a starter level, but we lost Kawan Short, cut Zach Kerr. We have Derek Brown. It's a great piece. And Bravion Roy, you know, thinking about it, he's a great pick in the sixth round. But yeah. I think he's going to be a great backup to Derek Brown. He does; they do exactly the same things, and uh, they're not going to be a great tandem on the field together. So more depth there, and then uh, we'll look at it when we talk a little bit more at the draft. But you know, linebacker, corner, um, it's going to be interesting to see how these next couple of days play out. Um, but I don't think we're going to get any big time starters. That's for sure. And see, this is what that's why all the DC moves are a little confusing to me because we drafted Derek Brown. We chose him at that spot. It was best available because we knew that our defensive line was lacking depth and we needed to give it a boost. We figured, with, I mean, obviously we couldn't have predicted that KK would have gone out for the year and that was pretty much the end for him. But then to go and cut, like Kerr was a serviceable guy for the majority of the year when, you know, KK was gone. I mean, it was Derek and it was Kerr, you know, trying to fill that. And we did a little bit different, you know, formations and different lineups in the front four to try to remedy the, the problem. But now, like you said, it's Will Smith sitting in the, in the, in the, in the you know, the mansion in Bel Air all by himself with everything emptied out. And so Jeff actually is an interesting perspective here too, because the Titans did something similar. They drafted a guy who, best available for uh, the first round when they could in Jeffrey Simmons. And of course he was injured for his first year, but then the minute he got healthy, boom, there goes Jarrell Casey and boom, your whole front four is now up in the air. And so talk a little bit of the impact that especially had in your defense this year, Jeff. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was huge. I mean, we, we saw that. I mean, we we got no pressure on the quarterbacks at all. Um, you know, we 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 I don't I, we I know we're the we, the weakest in terms of sacks. Um, our defense probably kept us out of going any further than we than we went. I mean, let's be real. At the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and we we're gonna lose some more people and stuff like that. Um, I, but it's such you know. Free agency, we've learned, guys, it's just such a crap. 
I mean, you know, and, and what I'm surprised is we haven't seen a lot of big guys so far. Other, and I don't know who you consider big so far. That, that Janu? That, uh, that was a bigger one. Probably, you know. Judon. Is Ju- yeah, oh, God, yeah, Judon. That one's. Yeah. We have breaking news on the podcast. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, Tyler, bring it up for me. We have uh, the Jets sign. Corey Davis, three years, $37.5 million. Oh, Jeff, no. Oh, Jeff, oh, no. Oh, he's, he might need a break. Curtis, Curtis Samuel. He's, I, he's there. I, I, think that's what, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, that's that's kind of big. Way to ruin my night, Tyler. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I, so you want to continue your conversation about the Titans and free agency? <laughs> Um, I don't know, you know, and as we talk about the offensive line for the Panthers, it's really interesting what they're doing because if there's some big names out there, and I think there are some offensive line free agents. I mean, there's still Trent Williams. I don't think he's gotten re-signed yet. There was obviously a couple guys that got signed now. You're not not going with the big names, okay, like the studs. So my question becomes, you know, is Deshaun out of the picture? And we're just going to get Trey or somebody like that, and we're going to – let it all mesh together. Because to me, if I was going after Deshaun, I'm, I'm going to get some big names. I, you know, I mean, it, and I don't think the Deshaun thing is going to happen until a month down the road or whatever. No. But at least I would be able to go to him and go, hey, we went out and made some big splashes, you know, on the offensive line. But maybe they can't afford it because they want to bring him in. Yeah, Which is my that's, concern. That's kind of where I'm leading with, too. Also, Joe, they paid that man $27 million guaranteed. So y'all probably didn't. Yeah, you, you ain't going to. 27 million guaranteed. Is that what Corey? That was what Corey got. And up to 37 and a half. Yeah. Oh my that's, goodness. That's not, listen, listen. There not, were, y'all, did, y'all did okay. There were plays at the end of the season where they were right in his hands. There were a couple of those. And he just, just dropped. I mean, he just. was so up and down. He was so, like, one it's game so was going out of his mind. You don't want to make this Titans podcast. Who, I, don't, I don't even know if I can name another receiver now. On what? The Titans? Yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, you lost Humphreys, didn't you? Philippe Raymond's gone. Oh, Adam Humphreys is gone. What's, what? What's the kid that did? Uh, did and he did a little Mark Ingram impression after y'all beat the Ravens in the playoffs, man. number fourteen. Who, 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 that was Khalif Raymond. That was Khalif Raymond. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even remember it was the wide receiver. You just remember doing impressions of Mark Ingram. You don't even remember it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> No, you're right. So, I mean, it's, uh, it is weird to see what they're trying to do, and it's also weird the the not the, the the you know the non-tampering period, but before you know into it all, like it's so weird because the teams can't make any announcements for it. It's just the agents and the NFL, which can make which is so weird in terms of protocol for me. I never still understand it, but it always makes because it seems like things are silent, but then it seems like a lot of things are still going on. Like, I mean, yeah, there's the Patriots, and they're being more active than I've ever seen. So I actually read something the other day. It has a draft. It's the Sports Illustrated. They put it out for every team. It was the 2021 Carolina Panthers offseason prediction. They did free agency and draft. What did the free agency first and get to draft? We'll hear in a little bit. So this is what they have going on, and they kind of predicted it. So they predicted franchise tagging Taylor Moten, which they got right. That was a great move. We needed. I mean, that we we were hoping that's what it was going to be, and that's just showing that you're trying to solidify your offensive line. And you know, be consistent, have consistency and success in that spot. So that was definitely a move that we all were hoping for and can all agree on. So then it says, mm-hmm. then in free agency, it says the Sports Illustrated has the Panthers signing uh, Gerald Everett from the Rams, the tight end. 
Um, then it has them signing Hassan Reddick, which has already gotten some noise from the uh, from uh, I believe he's from the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken. Or yeah, and he yeah. has Temple. Uh, I think he has. It was, it was Temple. It was, uh, mind, would not would not be bad. So at linebacker or, or yeah, would it be linebacker? Not bad. Attack Larry Ojin Joby. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember who he is. Um, oh, he's with the Browns. Yeah, he's with the Browns. And then signing Shaquille yeah, Griffin. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know I think it's going to happen at corner? I think you're probably going to see Rizul Douglas back there again. We're going to spend money on no, Rizul Douglas again. Fam, because like you probably can get him. Because he, he was on the end of his career. If he didn't get picked up by Carolina and had played decent, he was going to be like a one-year type of $3 million type of, dollar type of guy. Now they're on the open market. You may can get him for a cheap for a cheap one. And they may just keep him around for another year. I unless would, you draft unless you go into drafting. I mean, you can still go into the draft and get somebody that you feel like it could possibly be uh you know, I mean the corner. Yeah. But so Dante's on number one. That means it's yeah. like it. Oh well, so I'm s i am I mean that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, if we were going to I would love to get to try to get, you know, Shaquille Griffin. I think that would be amazing. There's some corners in the draft that I think that get that that would be there by round two or three. You know, it's yeah, kind of, it's, kind of, it's a it's a decent draft as far as defensive backs goes. No, I get that. I also liked you know Ger- uh, Gerald Everett was interesting, and then um, also Hassan Reddick. I think Hassan Reddick could be something kind of like to hear <laughs> to hear Whitehead, where it could either be you know oh that's somebody like the good the kind of B lister name, not something we had you know had had heard of before, I thought of before, but then when you get to thinking about it, like oh wait, that could be something that fits. And Jerry and obviously has the connections with with Matt Rule to make that work as well. The numbers got to be right with Hassan, with, with, with Hassan Reddick though, because then, because man, if you overpay for that boy, you gonna be gonna be in a bad spot. Yeah, we gonna be in a really bad spot if we overpay for him. Yeah, no, that would not be great. And then, so, okay, now Tyler, do you know anything a little bit about Larry Ojinjobi? I think I'm, I hope I'm saying that right in terms of comparing him to what we is we've picked up today, because that probably won't happen as much if. Depending upon what we did today, yeah. If you're talking Larry Young and Joby, defensive tackle from the Browns, right? You're talking. Oh, was it defensive? Right? Excuse me, defensive yeah, tackle. Yeah. So actually, that yeah, might have yeah. more, mm. more backing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that'd be a huge upgrade on the interior of the offense or defensive line. Uh, probably would be a bit of a, a bit much, considering how much we've invested in the defensive line in the last year. Um, kind of same with um, Hassan Reddick. Um, you know, getting another edge after, you know, were we just going to jump ship on Yutur Gross Matos after, you know, his year that was a little bit up and down at the opposite Brian Burns, but, you know, he showed some flashes. So um, those two I'm kind of, you know, skeptical on and, you know, I'd rather, them, I'd rather see them go somewhere where we have a bigger need as an overall unit. Like secondary, that we're rough there right now. Defensive line, we're a solid unit. And a couple couple more pieces in the draft where we could be even better. But, you know, in a linebacker, in the secondary, we have almost next to nothing. So I'd like to see them address those areas first, especially if they're spending money. So now, well, let me let me factor in the, the rest of this because there was a little bit more to it. I was just doing the signings, and then the trade plays a little bit more. So there, the, the, this predicts us do, making a trade for Deshaun and having the trade go through. The trade uh, entails Deshaun Watson and Whitney Merciless for uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Dante Jackson, Yutur Gross Matos, the twenty the eighth pick, the twenty twenty one third round pick number seventy three, a first round twenty uh, pick in twenty twenty two. And a second round pick in 2022, and then a second round pick in 2023. 
So now, so then without all that in mind, if we were to lose Yatur and lose Dante, but then try to sign Ogunjobi, Shaquille, and Hassan, where are your thoughts there then? Yeah, I mean, at that point, once you get Deshaun, it's about just getting talent in the building. And especially if you give up needs like that. And, you know, we, we didn't want Dante to be the number one corner. And um, if we get rid of him, it's going to be Rasul or uh, Cornelder. <laughs> so we got to make a big move there. Um, big move there if we get rid of Dante. So, you know, I like that. I like, that, you know, you know, once you get Deshaun, you have to realize that your playoff and Super Bowl window is open right now. You got to go for it before who knows what happens with him. So you got to go all in, all in on it, and um, you know I'd be fine with that. Um, you know it's it's a lot for Deshaun, and a lot of different pieces moving around. Um, but you know it's, it's, it'd be interesting. It's interesting to see that happen, especially with Utor in the trade, and then uh, bringing in Reddick, who had a huge season last year. Um, but that was really it from him. He's been a developmental guy his whole career, and he's been in. Uh, he hasn't been real consistent. He hasn't really found a spot in the league until now. So that's a real interesting scenario, and uh, I'll have to see what happens. I think you get. I think you get what you got to. I, I just do. I mean, listen. I know that people are high on Trey Lance and you know all those guys. I he makes you a Super Bowl contender right now, right now. And and we know that. I mean, what the difference between him and Teddy is enormous. Yeah. And the fact of what, how many games we lost, and we had the conversations for the last two minutes and a bad throw or something like that. How many of those one-score games do you win with Deshaun Watson in that offense? I mean, Breeze is gone now. Listen, I mean, the the Bucks, the Bucks, whatever. I you know, I keep waiting for Mother, mother Father Tom to hit Brady, but that doesn't seem to happen. Um, I it's uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, the only other place I'm going right now that I see him going is I've heard uh, recently the Sam Darnold for Deshaun Watson. And and going to the Jets and they, they flip quarterbacks and, and and that may have been why they met, made a play Corey Davis try to bring in I guess more receiver talent but more. I mean you, there's nothing there if you go if no. you go like, no. like you're in a worse situation now you're in a worse situation now with the Jets at least as of day one than than you were with the Texans I mean at least with the Texans they there's at least Will Fuller there's at least Randall Cobb or something there for him to go. If we got to give up, and Jack, you said you mentioned giving up your tour and Dante Jackson to get. Yeah. If that's if that's the price I got to pay as far as play, and I got to give up picks, and I was already willing to give up picks anyway, then I got to take it and just, like I like, was saying, he's got to bring, he's got to try to build it. Hopefully, everything, hopefully everything is normal as far as being able to have fans in the stands and here some salary cap, but then go get back to normal, and then we got to, you got to just figure out from that point on. How do we get talent here? And then getting talent there won't be as hard to do with the hope that you may, you may have a guy that will take a deal just to try to get around, get next to a guy that could possibly get your Super Bowl. Yeah, and then it also depends on, I mean, you're kind of, I mean, you hit it right in the head. If there's two defensive players that I think are, have any value to them that I'd be more willing to give, give up than anybody else, it would be Yatur and Dante because we talk about it, we don't really, especially if we were in this, if the way, if this offseason went the way it went here, and we pick up Shaquille Griffin. I mean, I think that's at least a wash, if not a little bit more of an improvement. Shaquille's obviously proven himself more as a guy out there, depending upon, you know, some of the plays he's made in terms of that lockdown kind of nature. Um, and then, you know, it depends on your grade on, on Whitney Merciless. That's kind of, it seems like a bigger name than a player as it is. I mean, I know he's had some health issues in the past. 
So I don't really know what your grading of him is. But if you're, because if again, if it swings this way, then you're having Hassan Reddick, Whitney Merciless, and Shaq, you know, and then maybe whatever we do with, you know, to here. Oh, good lord. I don't know, man. Honestly, it, it, it is why I'm so used to being cheap. I don't even, I don't even know what it feels like. I don't, know, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel right now as far as like trying to make a play for somebody. I think the interesting part will be how the next like week and a half pans out. I think if, you know, Curtis Samuels goes to somewhere, um, maybe Tennessee or something like that, um, you know, if they lose a couple offensive weapons or something like that, then I'd be curious to see whether they bring in Deshaun or then they just go the, you know, the draft route and go and go that away. Um, I think how their offense stays together during during this next couple of days or you know next week. I don't think if 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 Curtis leaves, I think it's going to be within the next day or two. Um, yeah. yeah. And and does that go a long way in terms of you know? I, it's just, yeah. Who knows? It's just it's it's weird. I don't know. It's it's so early in the Deshaun. You like like you spoke on earlier, Jeff. Deshaun's deal won't happen until damn near draft day. At this point, I would imagine because I mean, you got you got to see who's willing to give up what picks, who's signed, who who's off the market already. Like what, like and at this and, and at that point, by the time you get to draft the big haul to be to be able to bring them in. Yeah, no, the deal yeah. won't happen. Like you were saying, Shanti, the deal won't happen until closer to the draft because I think that's when the tech, like the Texans, are still asking for too much. And I think when they get to that point, they're going to realize they need to lower it, or they're not going to get one of those picks that they would much rather have. Because after the draft, if they're not getting commodities, you know, and, and draft picks for him, then they're kind of missing out, and they need to actually get something that they're going to be able to quantify beforehand. Because if you know if those draft picks get spent, it's not going to be as beneficial for them. So I definitely don't think it's going to happen until closer to that point. But then again, you know, I mean. It also could happen after the fact. I don't think it'd be smart for them to do so. And when it happens, it is going to be substantial either way. And it's going to be it's going to be groundbreaking either way. And so I think for the for the Panthers' sanity and for fans' sanity, we just need to focus on, you know, let the free agency happen the way it happens. Just kind of yeah. sit back and be, sit along for the ride. And then in, instead, focus on things we can control, like the draft. You know, and so we have already, right. I mean, it's... We've got about we're about a month out to it. They're here now about, and so obviously mock drafts have been going on for for months now since probably February, you know, seventh or eighth or whenever the day after the Super Bowl was. So over here we've got our own draft aficionado and Tyler Bursky, and so he's put together a bit of a mock draft for us. So Tyler, give us a rundown. He just did the Panthers picks, but he did all seven rounds. So give us a rundown of of the picks that you that you made and kind of your rationale for them, you know, what players might've been gone off the board, especially for the first you know pick. And then maybe just, just kind of give this, you know, the, um, the rationale behind it all. We'll go kind of pick by pick and give our, our thoughts on it. Yeah. So, you know, going into this, it was just a simulator. Um, and I just made the Panthers pick. So, you know, who knows if they're going to be there or not, but, um, you know, that's the risk you take with doing these and cause you just never really know. But so there was no trades or anything involved. So at pick eight, um, Trey Lance was on the board. So that's what I went with at eight overall to address, you know, the QB spot, which, you know, it seems like it's bound to happen. Uh, it seems like, you know, Teddy, they're going to do anything and they're going to do anything to move on from Teddy. And, you know, Trey Lance sitting at pick eight, they should pull the trigger right away. The only reason they shouldn't is if Justin Fields or Zach Wilson are on the board, then they should take them. But if Trey Lance is there, you got to pull the trigger. And, um, you know, you know he's going to be talked about as being more of a de- developmental guy, which, you know, if you do have Teddy still, you can make that happen. But, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that you just let him roll out there and make mistakes and, and learn. I don't know what you guys think about that pick, but um, you can talk about it for a little bit. 
Well, so I'm assuming this is under the guise of, you know, we're, we don't have Deshaun at this point, or that deal has already happened with somebody else, or it's not going to happen. Yeah, right, right. Which, which is fair. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm a little bit more into the, I think you should if you're like, I still, I'm still going to say what I had said, you know, a couple months ago, where with the line we have right now, and I mean, even with these kind of, you know, uh, bargain bin picks to, you know, pick up the depth and offensive line, I don't think, not that I don't think it's a good idea to do so, I just think that Panthers fans gonna have to learn to be really, really patient with it because you're not gonna get any near success, any immediate success from whoever you put back there with the line that we have right now. Even, no matter, I mean, even and you might go later in the draft and see we might pick up a, a couple of linemen, but I think unless we get still someone solidified, there's no guarantee with anyone we put back there. And also, I think you're right that you are trying to move on with Teddy any way they can. But if they, if they want to move on from Teddy, just say you want to move on from Teddy. Stop being so weirdly like passive aggressive and trying to save your, your, yourself in, P, in PR. Just say because Rule's doing the same stuff he did with Cam, where Cam's our guy, Teddy's our guy. Where literally two weeks ago you just said Teddy is unfit to play the position. So which is it? Is he your guy or is he unfit physically to be at the position? So, I mean, I, I like the pick if that's who is there. I mean, I'm a ride with it regardless because they've proven to me that at least for the most part, their first round picks can be impactful. So I'm going to, you know, bite my tongue until things go one way or the other. And if it works out, I'll be like, awesome. If it doesn't, I'll be like, that sucks. I mean, you know, it's going to be either way. From a talent perspective, Matt, Trey Lance got everything that you would want in a in a first round quarterback. If I just look at talent, I think like when I was talking about him and Justin Fields the other day, they're neck and neck as far as as far as from a from a talent perspective. The only issue that I have is not really it's not really an issue. He can't have that the one year of playing Division One college football, and I, and, and I and I don't even care about the love because I think you you know if you can ball, you can ball anywhere in the league will find you. But it's just damn. I mean. You haven't played. You, your first year started was at 19 years old. You haven't played since. You got to catch up on the amount of football you missed out, and that's the man. That's my biggest thing. Right? So you, you can keep Teddy, let him rock out for another year. I just, I mean, you. I, I know, I know, fans are gonna be upset about having Teddy under center for another season, but I, I'm good to let this kid learn for for a season, then 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 to roll him out. I mean, if you want to roll him out there, then fine. But I mean, be be aware, like you said, Jack. Be aware that your offensive line is not great. We and he still has to learn how to play strictly, not say strictly from shock, but style of offense that really wasn't. I mean, think no thing about North Dakota to say that, that's more of a that's about as simple of an offense as you get. We we got play action passes, we got deep shots over the top. I mean. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad he has the physical ability to make those plays, but it's just I don't know if he's ready just yet to take over NFL I'm, team. I'm going to go – I'm going to play devil's advocate here and, and a couple things. A, if the I, – I could almost see the Deshaun Watson thing happening on draft day. Oh, I will – Twitter will blow – Twitter will yeah. blow up. Twitter will blow up. That is – they, 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 they figure it out with Houston and stuff, and Houston gets the eight pick. They get their quarterback and we get our quarterback. I could see something going down there. Like, do you drive, do you, you know, I maybe something like that. But I'm gonna play devil's advocate. And I just I've always struggled being, and I'm the older guy here on the on the on the podcast, but and I've always had the mentality of, yes, get yourself your quarterback, let him set for a year behind somebody, and then go. And you know, and I, I'm under the I'm, I'm kind of now to the point of going, if you're a, a first round draft pick and you're a quarterback, pick him to play. Pick him to play. Put him in there and let him play ball. Um, and one of two things happen, though. 
he balls out and everything's great, or he becomes Johnny Manziel. Um, it, it's it, it, it's a final. Well, right, but but the gist is, this fan base does not want to see Teddy Bridgewater under center again. No, they don't. They don't. <clears throat> so the, everybody's going to be dying for football. Let's face it, everybody is dying to get back to you know Bank of America Stadium and be seventy-five thousand people and stuff. They don't want to see Teddy Bridgewater. So I, if you do, if you get Trey. Um, and the kid has the natural ability to, you know, ball it out, then then have at it and and, and let him play. Um, and you, you're either mentally tough enough to play in this league or you're not. And now we look at Jameis and we look at Marcus, you know, we look at Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, number one and two. You know. There's it out. You know, um, and, and, and it's, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, they're going to, are they going to start? I guess New Orleans is going to start our favorite guy. Well, I don't know. So they re- did you see how they restructured his deal? You know, I know. It was hilarious. Maybe Deshaun, oh, maybe Deshaun Watson goes there. Um, I'll I'll leave. I'll, I'll leave. Mean? I don't know what I'll leave. I'll leave. I'm just. I, you know what? At at that point, if that's a possibility. Then we do. Then then we trade away everybody. We trade away kids, kids and wives and all that to get Deshaun. Do anything so that the Saints can't get him. Literally, if it's just Deshaun out on the field, that's fine. He'll get sacked every play. Cool. As long as the Saints don't have him. Like, I'll okay. give you McCaffrey, I'll give you DJ, I'll give you Jeremy Chan, I'll give you, you know, David Tepper, and and I'll give you everybody if you just can keep that from happening. All right, so then, you know, you guys, so yeah. then going on to the other rounds, could you do a Yes, going on, picks? you know, that's the that's the big, you know, pick of the draft, and, and you know, the whole rest of the draft's going to be, you know, dictated by that pick, and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm good with any of the three quarterbacks, um, but if it's Mac Jones, like we've talked about, then, you know, that's just not going to fly with me. <laughs> um, but we won't think about that. So I picked 39, um, second round pick. Um, I went with Eric Stokes, corner from Georgia. Recently, there was a combine um, that the players got together. There was, you know, like a, you know, former GMs, former scouts, guys that worked in the NFL that got trusted times. And Eric Stokes ran a 4-2-5 at this low combine that had um, 6-1 at corner. Uh, he can really fly. Uh, he's my corner four right now. Um, and, and this is a class where corners, it's they're going to fly off the board in the first round. And after that, it's um, you're kind of you know, you're trying to get a guy that can maybe play, but nothing's a guarantee outside the first few guys. And I consider Stokes to be a guy that you can plug in and play right away. And he's like the last one of that tier. So, you know, he was lucky to make it to 39, in my opinion. Um, some people may be lower or higher on him, but I think after running that 4-2-5, this is a you know, pr- pretty appropriate spot for him, and especially for a team like us where corner corner depth and corner talent has not been uh, plentiful. And if we can get a guy that can maybe make Dante the number two corner, that, that'd be huge. So I, I like Stokes at 39. What do you guys think about that? Well, so I was saying, so uh, going with what, so uh, Sports Illustrated, they also did a draft for it too. So in their draft, obviously we didn't have the first round pick. We lost that. So their second rounder was Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama. I don't know where you had him or have you any thoughts you had on him, Tyler? Um, I have him as an early third, so I would not be oh. happy about that. No. So you would not be happy no. about that? Because uh, that just, uh, I guess, where do you have him at offensive tackle wise in terms of ranking? He's a, the rest he's a guard, in my opinion. I think I he's mean, a guard. Oh, I mean, well, I meant just like ranking in terms of the rest in this cl- in this draft class. Um, yeah, no. So this is a really good offensive line draft. Um, you'll like that, Jack. Um, so, but, so he's kind of down there. He's gonna be, he's probably gonna be inside my top ten interior uh, guards and centers. Uh, Leatherwood is, but 
you know, he's going to be the, one of the biggest guards ever, but I think that's where you got to put him. Um, so at 39, though, that's a bit rich for me. I think he'll go around there in the real draft when we get when we talk about things just because of his size, athleticism, and playing for Alabama. So if that happens, you know, it's it's not like the Greg Little pick, but that's all I'll say. It's not the Greg <laughs> it, Little pick. Does it make you think of kind of a, oh, what was the Titans guy they had um, that they just drafted who who screwed up? Isaiah Willis. No, yeah, no he's, he's better. He's a lot better than he's Isaiah He's a lot Willis. better. Well, that's, that's all I want to hear. Anything's better than that. <laughs> so then also interesting enough, in the fourth round, you talked about obviously Eric Stokes, but in the fourth round, I'm just going to skip ahead to this because I saw it. Uh, they had us going with Tyson Campbell at cornerback. Yeah, so that was uh, Stokes' you know, partner at corner for their whole careers. And it was always argued that Stokes is probably the better prospect now, but you know, Campbell's going to be better in a few years. And after the season, that really proved to be not anywhere near true. And Campbell's just big. And he, he moves pretty well. Stokes is just, you know, he, he competed all year. He locked down, you know, some of the best receivers in the SEC, including, you know, Auburn, Seth Williams. He had a you know good day against him. And, uh, you know, he, he really stepped up to the plate this year. And I think he solidified himself as like at least a top four corner. And he could even push higher than that the way some people look at it. And, you know, the Panthers, um, we have a lot of stuff schematically on defense, a lot of cover three. And with his size um, and his speed, uh, I, I think they might have him higher than, um, some other people might. So I think, you know, Stokes to Carolina, they might have him pretty high. And if he's there at 39, I can see them pulling the trigger. So focusing back in on yours, I'm um, talking about, I mean, obviously we, we talked about the offensive tackle and cornerback being the biggest issues. And with the way we're going to free agency and with how much of a depth, you know, you, you say the offensive line has in this draft, I'm fine with going cornerback first. Cause I think for the first time, it's looking like our cornerback position is going to be a lot more insecure than the offensive line group. Because like I said, the offensive line group didn't do a bad job when they were consistent. They just needed that depth and just a little bit more skill on the line. So if we can go with, you know, trying to get someone who just has raw talent and speed to keep up with your Julio Jones, your Michael Thomases, your Chris, Chris Godwins, then I'm all for that. I mean, Dante was a bit of a faster guy and more of a, so it depends on, you know, what we see is who's become, who's a, more of a lockdown corner. Cause that's still what we're kind of, you know, lacking, uh, we're lacking. Any shot. It's those kind of fits the model. It's those kind of fits the, the model. Honestly. You think, you think that's from a side perspective, he would, he would fit more of what, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I like I like Dante. I like I mean Dante competes, but he can't physically. He just can't compete against some of those physically imposing guys that are in the NFC South, like a like a Thomas, a Evans. Yeah, he can't really see those much throughout the course of the game and have success. Is um mm-hmm. with um I'm assuming at 39 is that where you, we said we picked 39? Mm-hmm. Would, yep. Would JC Horn be gone? I think he would be. A, yeah, I think he, he's really solidified himself as a first round pick. If he's there, we got to pull the trigger right away. And, you know, he could even be a guy we might think about training back up into the first four. But, you know, I think he could. I think JC Horn could even, you know, put up a fight to be the number one or number two corner taken, even. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because a lot of these corners, uh, yeah, those top guys, you can plug them in and play right away. But as you go down the list, it's uh, more of a projection, especially this year. Right. No, I love that. Um, and so and then you got your third round pick. Yeah, so kind of like the corners, uh, the, the offensive line, it, if, 
when it comes to tackles every year, you're, you're going to have to pay up for them, especially if they're going to play right away. And then after that, they can be good players, but um, they're not going to maybe meet those day one starters that you love. And that's okay. The NFL has shown to, you know, really like the developmental tackle. And it's worked out in a lot of cases. You look at the Raiders with Colton Miller and um, a lot of other cases too. So here in the third round at pick 73, I have the Panthers going with Spencer Brown, offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. Um, you know, we're not afraid to go with the smaller schools. I know we have a new GM, but he took, you know, Tepper was okay with us taking Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois last year. So it could very well happen. Spencer Brown actually came into Northern Iowa at 6'9", 232, and now he's 6'9", 321 or something along those lines. So he put on a lot of weight, um, great athlete, and it's uh, going to take some, you know, time to build up and develop but uh i could see it going out really well for him and i'd be really happy with that in the third round i mean hey from the panthers to the panthers there's nothing wrong with that he wouldn't have to change you know any affiliation there the color scheme is a little different but he's got you know he's got all the right gear for the most part now does the short condensed season for him what was four games for their division or for their conference does that scare you at all a little bit i mean there's nothing really because offensive line you know like you said consistency and staying healthy two of the biggest things are those any kind of red flags for you there yeah, I mean, so that would be the first three picks we'd have North Dakota State, Georgia, and Northern Iowa. So a little <laughs> bit different there. Um, so two small school guys who play just a few games, um, you know, may, may not be the best look. And may, maybe David Tepper, a guy who wants more immediate impact, may not want to go that route. But I think, you know, getting a developmental tackle in, in round three, where you're not going to find a starting right tackle that's going to be a stud in the third round. We saw, you know, four tackles go in the top. Well, last year and they all were pretty solid so but after that it kind of drops off so in the third round with Spencer Brown here um, I think he's shown enough where you can feel comfortable with him as a developmental guy so you know from from here uh, at pick 113 I had him going with Talano Hufunga who's who's one of my guys in the draft you know USC um, Bigger guy, bigger safety, going to be more of a box safety, dime backer, in the box kind of role. And you may say we already have that with Jeremy Chin, but what we've talked about so much on this podcast is this positionless player. And you can't really have that if you just have one guy. So if we get a couple guys that we can move around in the secondary, like Hufunga here, uh, him and Chin, we can do a lot with them. And, um, you know, Hufunga this year, he was always considered to be a you know pretty high high uh, prospect out of USC, but he really came together this year pulling in four interceptions, and he's a good athlete. It's just, for him, it's the reason why he's in round four is just the medical. So if he clears medicals and we feel good about him in round four, I would be ecstatic with that pick, especially in the fourth round. So with, so with like so with like a Jeremy Chan, you know we we, we saw Chan end up he ended, he ended up being more in the more in the box, I, I, but I thought he could have projected out to be a little bit. I thought we could have used him a little bit more in coverage than, than, than what than what we than what we did. Would we would you think we would be back to a natural safety spot if we drafted Ufanga? Yeah, so like over the course of the season, we saw early on Jeremy Chin played more in the box, but as they grew more trusted with him later down the road, he was playing more high, more of that single high guy, uh, playing more on the roof. So I, if we get more comfortable with him there, he's definitely projects more as that true safety compared to Hufanga, who Hufanga is more going to be that box guy, that box strong safety type. Uh, where Chin, I think, you know, coming out, I thought he could do it all. And, you know, they eased him into certain roles at a time, one at a time last year. And I think we might see that next step with Jeremy chin in year two i mean i'm if it's if it can if it can mimic or try to you know you know bank off anything that jeremy chin's doing and they can do it together fine by me take it do it i mean 
I'm I'm fine with that. Cause I mean, I, I I like the direction that our defense took, and I mean, I, you know, as we start to talk about the positionless football, and I, you got and you said you saw a glimpse of that with just what the future's put. That's what we want the future to look like. Then by all means, fine, because you had you had athleticism to a position to a position where you're talking about this league is just getting faster. Everybody everybody's fast. Everybody's lean. Everybody everybody's is is athletic. So. To have guys like that that can that, that can duel and coverage and stay in, in, in a game where tight ends run four or five, you know, you need a, you you need you need those types of players. So adding another guy like that and being able to move Jeremy Chan back to a natural safety position, to kind of fill a role that we need fill, is that that's a that's a I, I, that's like a, that's a high value pick in my mind because it adds really everywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. All right, so now yeah. I can read off you know those the the last what three picks I think we have three four after that yeah. Um, and yeah, so go down. Like, obviously, there's a couple of them that we're going to want to talk about. Yeah, pick 152. Tony Fields, the second uh, linebacker, West Virginia, transfer from Arizona. Um, runner and a hitter. That's add more speed to the defense. Uh, I think this was a steal at 152, and um, especially at a linebacker position where we have Shaq Thompson and then a lot of question marks. So if we can get somebody in there that can just run, Tony Fields, just he can just run and cover sidelines, <laughs> sidelines, and we'll figure the rest out. Um, add more speed to the defense. Uh, I think that's you know a good choice in the fifth round. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, especially coming here to West Virginia, he is. They, they talk about him all the time, and I think he showed. He left Arizona, you know, a crumbling program. He just jumped ship there. So you know, don't be war, you know, ward off by West Virginia because he still came in here and he made a huge impact right away in the year he was here, and then he made a great impact. And I think is what you probably saw off of it and why you kind of made this pick at the Senior Bowl. He had a huge impact there, and I think he rose his draft stock a lot at this at the Senior Bowl with his performance there. Well, um, but I would, I'd be all in for that. I think that'd be someone who would be a steal, and I think could. Fit it and plug in pretty much right away with this young fast defense that we're trying to get going mm-hmm. yeah so next up you guys uh we'll do most of the talking on this one i'm sure and i didn't just make this pick because we have two uh you know, south carolina alums on this podcast but at uh, pick 185 the panthers went with shy smith wide receiver south carolina i'm gonna let shanties go with it i need that i'll if all right his thing his thing about shot he's I think he's more positive wide receiver than Curtis, than Curtis ever was coming coming out of college. Because for one, if I mean, if if I'm going through what Shy's able to do, he he can, he can go across the middle. He, he, he can play in the side, play in the side early on his career. Never being there, he's shot, he's he's physical enough to play in the SEC. I think he's physical. I think that, that, that physicalness will transfer over to to playing in the NFL. He needs to put on more size though. He's, he's kind of slight of frame, he's like five ten, one eighty ish. He's a kind of kind of a thin kind of a thin guy. But again, at a very high value wide receiver later on in the draft, to replace a guy that's replace a guy like Curtis is probably due to get about nine to ten million a year. You replace him with a guy that's gonna that's that's only gonna be what, what you, you, you won't even be pulling like maybe like a like three million is like a three million dollar deal and for his first stand in the league. I think man, I, he play. I think he goes. He just adds more speed and does more of what we. Have been trying to do in Carolina and just, and just be dynamic. He, he he can run the jet sweeps. He can do all of the, all of those things already. But he grades up than what we had in Curtis Samuel, who had to kind of develop into that role. I think Shad's just a guy that you know. I'm gonna be more you know. I'll be honest. This is a hometown pick for me because I mean we're from the same city. So I mean I just want to see the guy play play for my hometown team. So you know. I think. But yeah, I'll let you guys have at it. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that if I, I'd be curious, Tyler, if you would put him higher if Curtis Samuel leaves. If we lose Curtis, 
would you move him up a little higher? Um, is he worth going higher uh, is my question. And the only thing I think is watching him play at South Carolina, the speed, the jet sweeps and stuff, you mentioned his size. Um, I think he need, he played with such emotion um, that I think there's a little bit that needs to be done in terms of polishing his routes. Would you get a good coach, an offensive coach? Some of his route running, when I watch some of the games um, that I could live through um, or try to watch, um, there are a couple times where I just a little crisper on the on the route running. But I would be interesting, Tyler, for you if we lost Curtis in in, in free agent. Do we go a little higher with wide receiver in your in your in your in your mock draft? Yeah, so we have we just got so many needs right now. And the thing is there's so many receivers. There's so many different guys. You know, kids growing up nowadays, they want us to be receivers. And so that means, you know, we saw it last year and again this year there's 20, 30 guys who are worthy of being drafted. And if for us to get Shy Smith here at 185, I had to do it. I think he's definitely better than that. But in a year where there's so many, you know, good receivers and the, the thing with the receivers, there's so many different guys with different skill sets. Shy's gonna be, you know, from the from the star at least, he's gonna be, you know, you know, he's in a defined role as, as a slot receiver and you know some teams may not need that some teams may need that bigger outside guy but we're in the spot where we can be you know we can use a little bit of anything right now and so waiting to get a guy that's maybe only limited to the slot at first may be okay especially with the other needs we have and you know i think shy would fit in perfectly um because what he can do after the catch and that's kind of the theme of our receiving group dj moore he came comes yeah. in in the first round and that was his biggest calling card was what he could do after the catch uh robbie anderson who i didn't think was going to be a big time rack guy showed this year that he was really good after the catch and we all know what Curtis Samuel can do so I think you know getting a value at receiver and also at being Shy Smith here at 185 is uh, pretty solid and just you know with the receiver need I just think we have so many needs that especially in this year we we got to wait later to address it because we have a lot of receivers they're not obviously all the best we restructured a couple contracts there's a lot of bargaining guys to give us depth so I think we think we need one more but we also had a couple you know uh you know, undrafted free agents that we had signed back. I mean, Omar Bayless, he's still, I think, bouncing around in and out yeah. of, you know, the practice squad or not. So there's some guy that they can make that because a guy they may, can maybe try to take a chance on. But I think you're right. And I mean, Shai was always running for his life when he was on South Carolina, either running to get attention, you know, outside of, you know, Debo or Brian Edwards, or he was just running trying to get free. He was double covered the majority of this last season because he was the only real guy we had to throw to. They didn't really, we didn't really have anybody else. So, he was kind of always like, oh, well, if he's not this dude, they don't get anybody else. So I could definitely see it, though, and he would definitely – I don't think he would – I mean, it's definitely be a downgrade in terms of, you know, just talent at, at the moment. But I think he is a definitely a guy that yeah. would be developed. Because like I said, he was a, he was focused on a lot whenever we, we were – you know, these programs we were playing against. So he didn't have, you know, the ability to really develop that much in college because he was just so locked down once everybody left. Or he was in the shadow of guys like Debo and Brian, and he, he either got he either got no attention or too much attention. And it was it was polar opposite. So it's hard to, to, to combat that. And then, so then just lastly, you had Jamar Jefferson running back out of Oregon State. What was the thought process there? Yeah, you know, just add more depth. That's been my thing with running back. Just add more depth <laughs> at the running back spot with Mike Davis. You know, we don't know what's going on with him. I doubt he's coming back. Um, so bring bring in Jamar Jefferson, who I think is a top ten back in this class. I don't think I don't think he should make it to 195, but you never know how these teams will, you know, evaluate the running back spot. And if we can add him there, and what I liked about Jamar Jefferson compared to some of the guys I've talked about the Panthers drafting in the past years, you know, I've talked about them drafting Damian Harris to guys like. 
um, you know, bigger backs from across the years. But uh, Jamar Jefferson can catch the ball too. So when he's in, you know, it's not going to be a run. Um, he's he's no Christian McCaffrey, but he can complement him pretty well when when we need it. And in the seventh round, I think that's going to be okay because you know, if McCaffrey goes down, we need somebody to step up. But if, when McCaffrey's healthy, he's the guy. But if we could take a couple hits off him uh, for a sixth, seventh round pick, I say why not, right? I, I would love to be the punching bag. Well, I'll, I'll back you up there. And this is strictly from the Titans' perspective with Derrick Henry. I mean, we had Darrington Evans and we had another Jeremy McNichols, who I'd never even heard of. I don't even know where he was drafted or whatever. But all three, I mean, even when Darrington came in or Jeremy, they were gaining seven, eight yards. Um, and and like you said, I think, you know, with especially with, you know, McCaffrey's size and some of the injuries here and there. Yeah, you have three or four. I mean, and, and have at it and have an offense where you can where you can do what you need to get done. I think I'm all for it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. Draft day is going to be so much more crazy than it was. I remember last year sitting there and just being so upset with every pick. So this time I'm going to just, you know, keep my head, keep my head, you know, head open, keep my mind open. Be like, all right, let's see how they do. Let's trust, you know, let's trust Tyler. Let's trust whoever's, you know, trying to get out there and on their evaluations. Because last year I was really upset, but obviously a panda. Like I remember last year I was like, who in the hell is Jeremy Chin? Why are we taking this dude who is not a safety, but he's also not a linebacker? Why not get one of those positions? And of course, look how well, look how much they came back to bite me, but also look how well it panned out. Man, our draft last year, it, I was pleasantly surprised, man. I think if I look at everybody that that, that we picked up, Derek Brown, solid, the tour. If he could stay on the field when he, when he was on the field, he played, he looked, he started to show, started to show flash once he got some consistency on the field, was a, was dominant. Bravion Roy is another guy I, I, I like. I mean, like for him to be drafted that low and have that much value. And, and played that many snaps. I mean, it showed me something. I mean, Troy Pride and Kylie, you know, I, I hope Troy Pride and, and can develop into something, you know. I, mean, I think we got a good value out of that entire draft class. So, like, like you said, I just got to wait and just see. I have no idea what these guys, what, what their plan is. And I, I, that's the point everybody has to take with it. We, gotta, we have to just wait and see and just be patient with what they're trying to accomplish. Definitely. I think we're, it's going to be some radio silence is going to do it with the four of us. I know at least a little bit of good. I don't know what it's going to do for all y'all. But like I said, we're going to be there. We're going to try to pick back up with the second season, which is crazy to think of. The second season of the Panthers podcast right around a little before the draft. So we'll have another full mock draft for you. Tyler, we're kind of, and I know Tyler's got it going, although he's got a lot going on right now. But he has been sidelined a little bit, so he might have the time to, to do that. He better get bored. Just that's all he wants to do right now. So we'll have something for you right before the draft comes out. Obviously, if something big happens with free agency, y'all can come right here. We'll have our analysis and our thoughts on it as either as quick as we can give it to you or as extensive as you'd like. So until then, everybody, and you know, and for the last time in season one, keep pounding.